Hello everyone, this is Keith Cup, founder of Gravitas Impact Premium Coaches, a worldwide community of experienced, skilled, and purpose-driven advisors who help CEOs and their leadership team get results and live their life purpose. Today we have Bill Bishop, founder of the Big Idea Company, as our guest. Bill, welcome. Well, thanks a lot, Keith. I'm looking forward to our conversation. Well, we're going to get right into your big idea in a moment, but for the audience, just to let you know that uh, Bill is an entrepreneur. He founded the Big Idea Company 33 years ago. He's a keynote speaker and he's the author of 11 books, and uh, he lives in the Toronto, Canada metropolitan area. Bill, uh, what's your big idea that you would like to share with the audience today? Well, uh, I want to talk about new factory thinking. And uh, my my uh, what I want you to think about is how you actually think about your business on a fundamental level. And I see there's two different types of people out there right now that are running businesses. Mm -hmm. uh, there's old factory thinkers and new factory thinkers. So that's what I want to talk about is whether or not uh, the people listening today are old factory thinkers or new factory thinkers. Okay, great. And so this is a challenge to uh, all the leaders listening in as well as to myself. Are you in the old world or the new factory world? So, Bill, um, one thing I like to ask our guests is kind of what gives you the credibility, the street cred to talk about this? Tell us a little bit about your journey and what you do before we develop the new factory thinking idea. Well, I, I've been an entrepreneur, actually, I think ever since I was eight years old, because <laughs> I when I was eight years old, I actually sold newspapers at the corner uh, near my house and I made a penny of paper. So I had a little business going right there. But uh, the business I have now, I started in 1987. And uh, we started off being the first uh, company in Canada to do electronic publishing. So mm -hmm. that was a pretty cool start to our business. Mm -hmm. And uh, over, the, over the years, our, we, we developed something called the Big Idea Adventure Program. It's an innovation packaging program. Mm -hmm. And we've actually worked with 5,000 different companies since we started that. So everything I talk about isn't some academic thing. Uh, it's really based on working with companies and entrepreneurs very directly and seeing what's working and not working in the marketplace. So, so based on that, we, we have a lot of things we can share with people about, about what's going on right now and what the future looks like. So the filter of a client experience, 11 books authored, and then uh, your own entrepreneurial journey. Yeah. So talk to us about old factory and new factory thinking. Okay. So, um, you know, so one of the things I love doing in my work is just uh, asking people about their business, right? So when I meet them, that's my first question. Just tell me all about your business, how you got it started. Tell me all about it. And uh, I started noticing that everyone was telling me the, basically the same story. Mm -hmm. um, doesn't matter what industry they were in or what size of company they had. Um, they were all saying this story, which had three parts to it. So it was like three chapters. You know, they were telling me a book with three chapters. And I thought that was very, very interesting. And then I started realizing that all of the issues that they had that were kind of holding them back mm -hmm. were, were not some caused by out, out external conditions, really. Mm -hmm. It was caused by the way they thought about and the way they told me their story about their business. And so that was my big aha moment. That was about uh, 10 years ago, I think. And, uh, and what I started doing is I said, well, I'm, I'm going to call that old factory thinking mm -hmm. because that way of thinking is no longer rewarded by the marketplace. Mm -hmm. And there's a new way of thinking, which I call new factory thinking, 
which is being rewarded by the marketplace. And there's a lot of companies that are using it, but they're not telling other companies that they are. That's <laughs> kind of their secret. Okay. So, so the first thing to understand is what's old factory thinking. In a nutshell, it means that we start with that story. The first uh, chapter is about our product. So we say, okay, what's my pro My business is my product. So in my book that I wrote, The New Factory Thinker, um, it, uh, the example I use is a company that makes hammers. So Harry's Hammers, okay? So if you asked anyone in that company and even their customers and everyone else, they'd say, oh, well, they're in the hammer business. That's the business they're in, okay? So their whole business is defined that way. And they built a whole operation around it, their factory around making these hammers, okay? Which kind of locks them in pretty deep into that kind of business, right? So, so the problem with that, well, the, the advantage of that really is it's simple, right? It's like, okay, well, we know what we do and we have a focus and we do hammers. Um, and for a long time, it worked like really literally for 250 years, right? This kind of way of doing things and thinking about our business worked, you know? Um, but the problems that people have when they sell something like a hammer and they, that's how they see it, uh, they have a lot of competition. You know, so if I go on Google and I type in hammers, I'm going to get over a billion results there. There's a lot of people selling hammers, right? So that means there's a lot of price competition, which causes, uh, you know, uh, commoditization and very slim profit margins. And then, of course, there's a big danger that you could just be disrupted altogether. I'd say you can be blockbustered. Uh, you know, everybody starts using 3D printing instead of nails, then to build things, then no one will ever need a hammer again. And so being a one trick pony makes us very vulnerable, you know? And uh, so so that's that's the way 99% of us think about business. It, now, not just people in business, but you know, how we think about the economy is that a business is its product and, and a product is the business. So, and so that's kind of the way we've all thought and it's our way our minds are wired. And it's like all our businesses are assembly lines to pump out that hammer, right? That's how we think of it. Okay, so, um, so, you know, so that's the bad news that that's kind of falling apart and it's falling apart and you can just blame it on the internet, essentially. You know, we've created a economy now that's really a networked economy and uh, we're not working on assembly lines anymore. We're working in a network. So this has changed everything. It's flipped everything around but our brains haven't caught up to mm -hmm. the implications of that, all right? Mm -hmm. so, so at first I thought, okay, well, that's a bad thing. There's gotta be something that's working here. And so I started to notice that there were certain things that the marketplace were rewarding, and I called that new factory thinking. Mm -hmm. And I said, well, we can point to Apple, Google, Amazon, Facebook, you know, among others. Mm -hmm. They're all using this different way of thinking. That's why they're so big and powerful is because they're not, playing that old game anymore. Right. Okay. And essentially what they're doing is they didn't give up their hammer. So Apple, you know, started with computers, right? Right. Um, but in 1998, they said, uh, maybe we should sell music, you know? And uh, there was a lot of pushback from that because they said, well, we're not in the music business. We don't know anything about that. That's not our thing. And they said, well, yeah, but our customers might want that, you know? Mm -hmm. So the, based on that success, that kind of opened them up to creating what I call a value hub, right? Mm -hmm. So they said, okay, we have these customers and we're going to try to turn them into members. So they have a kind of a loyalty to our whole ecosystem anyway. And then we'll start adding things to it. So they obviously they got into phones and then watches and 
iPads and credit cards and movies and apps, of course, and then now they're thinking of making a car, right? So they're adding all of these things uh, to it. And so by having that open mind and saying, yeah, we don't have to just be one thing, one product. We're really building our business around trying to help people. That's a whole different way of thinking. Mm-hmm. Um, and it also helps you future-proof your business because you're, you've kind of built into your, your thinking that change is inevitable, disruption is inevitable. So therefore, we should just be moving and flowing with that change, right? So turn change into an ally as opposed to a threat, right? Um, anyway, so that, that's a, a little bit of a description there of uh, the difference between old factory thinking and new factory thinking. And uh, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, let me let me ask a, a question here is and, and then let's continue. So yeah, in old factory thinking, I lo- if you think of a factory, really, yeah. the constituents that own and operate and build, they're really looking into the factory at the product um, and new factory thinking, you're looking into the market of your customer more. Is that correct? Well, that, that's right. Exactly. So, so <laughs> part of the uh, kind of irony is the new factory is there's no factory, really. Right. Uh-huh. You know? Okay. So we're, we're trying to realize that I'm trying to deliver value here and I'm just really focused on my customer and I'm really willing to provide them with whatever they might want and need um, as opposed to being just, you know, I'm trying to push a particular thing. Right. So, so it is putting the focus now on the customer as opposed to the product, mm-hmm. right? So, so one of the uh, you know pushbacks they go, well, you know, I'm selling hammers, I'm working really hard that, and I might lose if I start doing what you're saying, I might lose my focus, you know. Mm-hmm. And I go, well, it all depends on how you define focus, right? right. So, mm-hmm. so if you're focused on trying to sell more hammers, then that's what you're going to be stuck with. But if you're focused on trying to help your customers in any way you can, well, that's still a focus. But if you think about it, it's a much better focus because it's you're focusing on your customer, not on you. You see, so so um, so that that's a very good point you've made there. Is that that's a key to it? Yeah. You know, it's interesting. You mentioned Apple. I've got my uh, iPhone right here. Yesterday, I uh, I have a couple of personal coaching clients, and I was with yeah. one uh, down south of Portland, Oregon, yesterday, and I I saw a beautiful sunflower bill. And so yeah. I took my iPhone 11 out and I put it in portrait mode and I pointed it at the sunflower, but with the same lens, it was, it was looking at something else for a moment. And then it changed and looked at the sunflower and focused on that. And the sunflower was much more beautiful and rich, same lens, different focus. And huh. The, the more recent focus was beautiful. And that's kind of the uh, what I'm feeling here for those who are listening and say, hey, how do I go from old factory thinking to refocus to new factory thinking? So anyway, keep keep uh, developing your thought here. Yeah, okay, so, so, so this is all ultimately about innovation and opening your mind up to possibilities. You know, um, you know I, I always ask people, I say, well, if you were at Apple when they, you know, I had a meeting and somebody said, hey, maybe we should sell music. How would you have voted? And most people have to, if they're honest, would say, well, I would have put a thumbs down because of like, that's ridiculous. Why would we do right. such a thing? Right. So so we have to bear that in mind that that we can be thinking this way. That's kind of what we're doing is stopping ourselves from all kinds of possible value creation that we could do 
for our customers. So, so we go, so, so for me, it's like, how do I unlock my mind to the potential of value creation? You see? And I really think that when the old factory world, we were told don't create value, just focus on the assembly line and don't ask any questions. <laughs> okay. Right. Cause I used to work in a brewery on assembly line. They didn't want you asking any questions. Just do your job. That's it. Right. Okay. Although they did give you free beer as a, well, there we as go. a bonus for working Perfect. there. That was the benefit. Anyway. So, um, so how do we do that? So this is the little method that I've worked out. I say, let's look at our, your existing business as your old factory. We're not going to change a thing. We're going to keep it, you know, running and everything, but don't invest all your time in it. Say, okay, I'm also going to add on a new factory. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I'm going to add this new thing on and it's going to sort of be uh, above it. So it's like a, we have first floor is the old factory. Second floor is the new factory. We're just going to add a new floor, but we can do whatever we want because it's a completely new thing. We don't have any legacy things to worry about. We can just think, what's this new thing look like? So as soon as you have that permission, you go, well, what would be our business if it was a new factory? Mm -hmm. So so the way to do it is there's uh, five steps. And I guess just maybe I just bring that on my screen here so people yeah, can would be great. maybe see that, you know? Okay. Um, see if it'll come up. Uh, yeah. So um, so this is, this is the five Mm -hmm. steps of new factory thinking. And, and bear in mind, I didn't invent this. I just started noticing what was working right. and said, I've just given words to it, like a little map, right? So, so we go, I got my new factory. I can do anything I want. I can think really big right now. The first step is to say, you know, who do I, who's the niche customer I want to focus on? Niche customer focus. So, so we would look at our, maybe our best customers and say, I want to get more customers like those ideal ones we have, like maybe 20% of our customers are really amazing. How could I, let's make it a, a, our focus to get more of them and to build a network around, uh, around our business of those people, mm -hmm. okay? So the new factory thinker goes, I'm not trying to sell anything first, I'm just trying to attract a lot of people. Mm -hmm. So that's like Google, right? They've attracted a lot of people with all their free stuff and now we're kind of in their ecosystem. So that's what, or LinkedIn, for example. So how can I get a lot of people parked around my business here of these ideal people? So that's that's the first thing. Who is that? Maybe it's basketball players. Maybe it's uh, CEOs of companies. Maybe it's uh, people who um, you know work on the, in the energy sector or something. Okay, whatever your niche is. The second thing is then the transcendent big idea is to say, okay, what is a bigger value proposition? that we could put out there that none of our competition is even thinking about, okay? And uh, and the best way to think of that is ask yourself this question. What's a really big problem that our customer, those ideal customers have that no one's helping them with? Our industry isn't helping them with it. No one else is helping. We're not helping them with it. What's that really big problem? And as soon as you start thinking about that, you'll notice there's thousands of them. It's it, it's an unlimited resource of problems that these folks have that no one's helping them with. And the world, as it gets more complicated, is just churning out more and more big problems all the time. Okay, so so we want to be that we want to be thinking that way. And then by solving that problem, what's something really big that they'll help them do? So it'll be helping them become 10 times happier or 10 times richer or 10 times more efficient or something. What's that big thing? 
that we're all about. And it's not it's, right now. It's not a product yet. It's just an intention, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. And then the free values th three is to say, forget selling. Nobody wants anybody to sell them anything anymore. But we're going to go out into the marketplace and offer those ideal people something free just to come into our world. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Something of value, right? So it's it's like giving them a piece of chocolate from a box of chocolate. So no, forget selling. If you have a sales force, you say, here, here's a piece of chocolate, go and give it to them and get them into our world, get them parked around our business by giving them this like free parking kind of thing. Right. Okay. So then the, the fourth step is to say, okay, well, now that we got all these people coming for the free thing, we want to convert a percentage of those people into customers, but I like to think of them as members or something. Um, is there a higher level than a customer? And we've got these advanced programs to help them. So we've got something that we're doing that's at a higher level, something more advanced, whatever it might be. It could involve all kinds of technology. It could involve coaching. It could involve, um, you know, just there, there's something really advanced about it. And I like to think of it as a gourmet meal. Mm -hmm. So we're like going to offer people our gourmet meal. Like, what is that? Right. Compared to our, our basic things, which might be like a hot dog. Okay. Right. So, okay. So we're just giving a choice between the hot dog and the gourmet meal. The, the surprise for my clients is they, they, they can't believe people are gobbling up the gourmet meal, even though it's a lot more money, but they can see the value. Customers can see the value. So, so by doing this, we end up with a lot of members, right? And then uh, the last piece is the value hub. So just think about Amazon and Apple and Google uh, and Facebook. So they have now, they have they offer something free. They have members that are kind of committed to their ecosystem. And then they have a value hub where they're just bringing in all of these suppliers that provide things to these members, right? And, and the suppliers want to get to those members because there's a lot of them, and they, they, but they can't get to them unless they go through the new factory, right? So, so the new factory owner then can say, like Google or sorry, Apple can say, well, we want thirty percent of everything you sell. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now they might yell and scream and say, "Wow, that's too much!" But then they go, "Yeah, but okay, because you've given us a ready market for something here." So, so this is this is like the payoff ultimately is that, and I, an irony because whereas the old factory was thinking about hammers. Well, now we can go, yeah, we can have hammers, but we can also have screwdrivers and ladders and trucks and insurance. And because, because this is a place where our customers can come and get everything, get all of that in one place, you see. So, so th this is the game those companies are playing. Mm -hmm. The rest of us are going, oh, I'm just trying to sell hammers. <laughs> you know, so, so we're really limiting ourselves without, by how we're thinking about things. And we can create our own version of this. You know, people will say, well, I'm not Apple or Google or Amazon, but I say, because they're so big. And I said, well, that's how they got big. Mm -hmm. If they had, if, if Amazon was selling books still, they would probably be out of business. If Apple was just selling computers, they'd probably be out of business. Mm -hmm. So, so, um, or if Google was just doing a search engine, well, they never would have made any money anyway. So, so, um, so what we want to do is move beyond this single thing that we're doing and, it, and what it, and, and create this value hub. And the best thing about it as a, as a short-term thing is that it'll help you sell more hammers or hot dogs. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like Apple 
you know, people are saying, well, we shouldn't, we've ended our focus and do music 20 years ago, but now they sell twice as many computers as they did then. So if all this other stuff they did was just to sell more computers, it worked. Bill, let, let me, let me, uh, th <laughs> this is brilliant because it's very strategic um, to a business. And, and let's make it very practical to our listeners for a moment. And let's use the hammer analogy. Yeah. And, and I'll kind of lay out a paradigm and then you, you can correct it or modify it. So yeah. let's say I'm a company and I make hammers and it's a product. The first thing I need to do potentially is get in touch with our best hammer customers and then understand what their other needs are by conversing with them. Is that accurate? Yeah, that's a that's very astute because um, in this new economy, the best way to develop new things is to collaborate with your customers, especially your best ones, right? Mm -hmm. So, so the way that the, all these new factories get started, where, when I help people, they say we're going to go to those customers and we're going to say this is some ideas here we're doing, but we want to work with you to figure out what the best things are. Like, what are your big problems you have? Mm -hmm. What are some big goals we could help you with? And, and we'll partner up together mm -hmm. to make that happen, you know? So, so that's, that's definitely the road forward. And of course it's great too, because you're developing a deeper relationship with those best customers. Right. So, so very good. Yeah. Okay. And so now you've got a community of your best customers sharing their problems, their challenges, and other things that would be helpful to them. Yeah. So now here's, I think, one of the key questions that come to mind for me is, now once you understand the problems you're going to solve and what you're going to do for them, how do you attract other um, ideal clients that you're not in touch with to come and join that community? What are some of the things that you're doing there? Yeah. Okay. Well, I'll give you an example of my business Please. because why not? <laughs> so, um, so what, what I did was I created something called the new economy network mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and uh, it's probably the best marketing thing I've ever done because basically what I do is like every month uh, we have these meetings they have been all online lately um, about the new economy. So I'll say, okay, we're going to have a meeting about the blockchain. We're going to all learn about that. Right. And then the next meeting, we're going to all learn about artificial intelligence. Mm -hmm. So, so there's a lot of value in it because, you know, I bring in speakers and they talk about these things and, and it's very interesting and it gets them connected to my world, you see. So, so this is what I do is like, and I'm asking people who are my target market mm -hmm. to come into it. Right. So by doing that um, as the major sponsor, it all rubs off on me, you see. Mm -hmm. So that's how I meet more people. So, so that really the new factory is a, is a, uh, uh, prospect generating machine, really. It's to say, how can I meet more people, more of our ideal customers? And, and that idea of having a network where there's a lot of valuable content there, where people can come together in a community is what seems to be working right now. Um, because that's what I said at the beginning was we're now in a network economy. Mm -hmm. So the best thing to do is to have your own network that's connected to other networks and bring people into your network. It doesn't mean they leave other networks, they just join right. yours as well, right? right. So, so that's, that's, um, that's why I created that network. So whatever you can do that provide value that will say, hey, listen, hey, I'm not trying to sell you anything. I just want you to come and be part of what we're doing 
then you're meeting them. That's the first thing, mm-hmm. right? And then, and then because you're providing value with them, you're developing that relationship. And then you can say, yeah, you know what? And we have uh, this uh, program you might be interested in. I just thought you might not want. And you know, I'm, not, I'm just giving you information. And they'll go, well, you know, you seem like a good person or a good company and we like what you're doing. And yeah, I'm, I'm interested in what you've got here. Okay. So, so that's that in our mind, that's, that's uh, kind of what's working these days. So you can go on things like LinkedIn and Twitter and Facebook and Google or whatever and say, yeah, I've got all those followers, but I want to convert some of them into also being follow, you know, members of my network as well. Right. Yeah. So does that make sense? Yeah, it absolutely yeah. does. And, and, and we have a belief that uh, as we as a mid-market coaching, global uh, coaching firm, work with our CEOs through our yeah. coaches, many CEOs are also thought leaders in their own right. They're, you know, they've been in the hammer industry for so long and they actually discount or don't see the value of insights they have in the industry and so on. And so developing their voice becomes a very important value driver too within industries and beyond. Yeah. You know, like everybody knows oh, we're in the knowledge economy. Everybody's heard that and everybody would agree, but how many people are actually acting on that? You see? So, so in my mind, we're all experts. So the person that makes the hammers is experts in all kinds of things. You know, right. one would be, and the key thing to be really to get clear about your, your expert in is what's going on with your customers. Mm-hmm. That you're an expert in your customers because you might say, okay, I'll well, work with uh, contractors, you know, because we're selling them hammers. And he'd say, well, we've got, we've met 20,000 contractors all these years and we can see the problems they have that they can't see because there's a pattern we can see, mm-hmm. right? So we're actually say, well, we're an expert in helping contractors and here are all some advice we have for you. So, mm-hmm. so this is, um, when I think of an advanced program, it's always ultimately about what you know, your your intellectual property in the sense of what's what's up here, all the stuff that's up here, and it's not so much what you do, that you know labor, mm-hmm. right, or even the thing you're providing, but what where all the smarts in your head and in the things that you're giving them. That, that's really where the future is. You know, like another way of saying it, the new factory is the smart factory economy, right? So it's like what is what is all the the knowledge that's there that can be used, you know? And there's one other um, thing that's important to say um, is that in the old factory world and the whole mentality of that, the uh, general equation for success is produce and consume more equals happiness. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. And that's what we're all trying to do. Like we produce and consume and let's, let's just keep doing that. Okay. And uh, you know, and that's fine, but on the new factory world uh, it's, to, and this is the new equation that's very marketable, is to say, I'm trying to help people achieve a greater result using less resources. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that the marketplace will eat that up. If you can give them a better result in some way where they can use less time, money, effort, energy, money, right? they're going to buy it, right? So I like the difference between a regular light bulb and an LED light bulb, mm-hmm. right? An LED light bulb is 20 times more money than a regular light bulb, mm-hmm. right? But most people are buying LED light bulbs right now because over the lifetime of the light bulb, 15, 20 years or something, you're gonna save hundreds of dollars in energy. Mm-hmm. So it's a better deal, mm-hmm. right? So, so another way to think about all this is 
while we're selling a regular light bulb, what's our LED light bulb? How can we help our customers get a better result? Because a light bulb, those light bulbs are also more versatile. They can do LED light bulbs can do a lot more things and use less less resources. Mm -hmm. You see, unless you know that that that's the equation, you're still just trying to get people to consume hammers. Right. Right. You see. Yeah. So there's this whole different way of thinking about things that. Um, that I've been exploring. And, and I've really realized that like there in the new book I'm writing, there's like 29 different ways of thinking that are completely different than the old ways of thinking. And we need to learn those in order to prosper in this new world that's happening here. Bill, in your own way, I think you're helping the uh, micro evolution of our brains across the world in our- I generation. hope so, yeah, yeah. Well, Bill, let's uh, let me turn uh, to again uh, what I would call a very practical question here. So we've got leaders of mid-market companies and coaches listening in worldwide. Yeah, what, what is one thing you would advise or encourage them to do with this knowledge? This is fantastic thinking, but what is one action they could take to make progress on this? Okay, so uh, one time I was giving a talk at this company. But it was a group of business people mm -hmm. and it was hosted by a taxi company. So I was at this taxi company. And if you looked out the window, there was like 500 taxis out there. And in the middle of my talk, um, I just mentioned Uber innocently. And the owner of the taxi company stood up and went on a rant for about 15 minutes about how much he hated Uber. Right, <laughs> okay? right. And it was like wild, you know, and I go, okay, let him talk, let him vent, you know. Mm -hmm. And then later I realized, oh yeah, well, he was mad. It was disrupting his business, but I realized he was actually mad about something else. Mm -hmm. And he would never probably admit it, but yes. can you think of what it is? What he was really mad about? Um, probably his, his wallet share. Well, it's that he didn't think of Uber himself. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. He didn't come up with it because right? yeah. uh -huh. there he was working really diligently for 25 years and built up this big taxi company. And then one day somebody popped in and said, hey, here's Uber. And it just completely, you know, destroyed the value of his company. And Uber was worth $50 billion overnight. And it was like, yeah. what happened? And, and you see what happened was, is that he spent all his time thinking about the past and the present. Mm -hmm. And he didn't think anything about the future. Well, right? and, and, I, and I would add to that, Bill, he probably emo emotionally fell in love with his hammer and could not. Exactly. Right. So he was so embedded in all of that way of doing things and very defensive and, and very, you know, holding on to it, you know. Um, so so what needs to happen, okay, is to carve out some time and, and, and your, as part of your brain and say, let's add that new factory in. Mm -hmm. Start thinking in different ways. What could we do that would be about the future? Mm -hmm. What could we do that would be totally different? Maybe even would put our existing business out of business. What would that be, right? And be the one to spend the time on that because that's the competitive advantage, actually, mm -hmm. that most 99% of companies spend no time thinking about the future, mm -hmm. right? And that 1% that do are the ones that are going to do really well. So, so be one of those and say, maybe just like one hour a week, one day a month, but say, this is our new factory. What is it that we could create that would provide a lot more value and, and really take advantage of all the new things that are going on mm -hmm. 
And what would our version of Amazon be or our version of Facebook or our version of Apple? You know, mm-hmm. what would that look like? And and invest that time in it. Because that, that's really all that's needed, really. You know, and then, and then one last thing is then to say, well, based on that, then during that time to allow yourself to think really big, mm-hmm. primarily on the to the benefit of your customers, like something big for them. And then and then go. And now we're going to start small. Mm hmm. Right. So if I, if I thought of, if I had thought of Facebook, which I guess I wish I had, uh, it would have been, OK, well, we got this big idea. We're going to have billions of people on this. Who's going to be the first person that we're going to sign up? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Maybe I'll put my mother on there or something right. <laughs> or my friend or whatever. There had to be one person mm-hmm. that was the first person. So so if we allow ourselves to do those things, all kinds of possibilities can happen. Mm-hmm. And And so to summarize, then, for our listening audience, um, what Bill is saying, and I'll say Bill and I are recommending CEOs, leaders, get off site and I'll say a couple hours a week, get into a different environment. So you're in a state change where you're not in your normal, comfortable routine. And then ask yourself, what could be uh, and in regard to your best customers and dream big and come up with a big idea, correct? Exactly. Yeah. And and the key point, maybe I'll reiterate, don't try to transform the old factory. Right. Don't, don't waste any time on that. Just leave that as it is and say, we've got this new fresh part of our business that we can start totally from scratch. It could be anything. And that will give you the freedom to really innovate. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, Bill, thank you for your time today. I always like to close with the following question, a couple of questions. Um, what is your core purpose in life and where does that come from? Well, okay. That's a good question. So, um, I, uh, and I thought a lot about that Mm -hmm. and, uh, essentially is that I see that most people, uh, whether it's my kids or, you know, people I know or businesses, everyone I work with is that we're not really achieving our full potential Mm -hmm. because of, Basically, our mind is stopping us from doing that, you know, a lot of mental block. So so my whole kind of mission and purpose is to help people, like I say, go from selling hot dogs and being in a hot, working in a hot dog stand to really being a gourmet chef mm-hmm. and, you know, being able to bring all your special skills and ingredients to what you're doing. So so that that really motivates me and excites me. And I've tried to do that with myself, too. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, now, where does that come from? Yes. Well, um, you see, I, I had a, a kind of a different kind of upbringing mm-hmm. because uh, my uh, grandfather, uh, and the Canadians would know, his, his name is Billy Bishop. Um, the airport, one of the airports in Toronto is the Billy Bishop Airport. Mm-hmm. And he was uh, a war hero. We were a war hero mm-hmm. in World War One. He was uh, an air ace. He was the top air ace in, in, on the, you know, the Allied side. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was also the, um, he started the Canadian Air Force and he was, you know, unbelievable achievement, right? Very uh, well known and everything. So there was this person in my life that had achieved these amazing things, you know? So there was sort of this, um, you know, almost duty <laughs> to try to figure out what I could contribute because that was his thing, you know, really contributing to his country and so on. So, um, so that was with me right from day one. And, 
you know, it's, it's been a motivator. It's also been quite a challenge to live up to that kind of thing, but, yes. uh, but that, that's where, uh, um, that's where I'm coming from on a deep level, I think. Well, Bill, um, I think I, I can say this uh, with uh, some level of credibility. If your grandfather were here, he would be proud of his grandson right now. So I, you're doing great things. You're doing great. Well, things. I appreciate that. It, so. That means a lot to me for you to say that. Yeah. Okay. For and sure. Bill, for our audience to uh, get a hold of you, how, how can they connect with you? What's the best way? Yeah. So, um, well, I think probably just go to my website. Um, it's kind of a fun website to visit. So it's bishopbigideas.com. So that's plural, bishopbigideas.com. And uh, when you land on that page, the first thing you're going to see is the Big Idea movie. So there's a 60-minute, oh, sorry, 60-second movie uh, that kind of sums up everything I just said in 60 uh -huh. seconds. And it's kind of fun. And then if you want to have a conversation with me I, I, anyone wants to talk to me i'll have a big idea conversation with them mm -hmm. and it's an hour and it's free and you can just schedule it on the website so mm -hmm. so uh, if you have any inkling of something you want to do or you're thinking or you want to have a new factory we could have one of those sessions and we'll just see what comes up mm -hmm. it would be really fun so so on there there's a link you can do that that sounds pretty exciting if anyone is listening in and they have an ice hammer that hour sounds really exciting so Okay, Bill Bishop, founder of The Big Idea and author of 11 books. Thanks for joining us today, Bill. We appreciate it. Thanks, Keith. That was great. Okay. Take care, everyone. Thanks, Thanks for tuning in. Thank you for listening to the podcast today. If you'd like to hear more from our premium coaches, faculty thought leaders, and guest speakers, subscribe to our channel on iTunes or Spotify. Your feedback is very important to us. So please leave us a review. See you next time. And remember, making a difference together that's Gravitas Impact.